G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, when we think of the word church, we think of it as a, oftentimes, a specific building or as a group of people. Or for some, church is just a long service to sit through. We hardly ever think of it as a world-changing, vibrant catalyst for positive change. Neither does our wider society. But our special guest today travels the world speaking to vast audiences about what he calls the first century ecclesia. Now remember that word, ecclesia. It'll come up in our conversation today. Our special guest, Dr. Ed Silvoso, is a best-selling author. He takes his audience back to the first days of the church, digging into scripture forming the image of the New Testament church, devoid of buildings, professional clergy and religious freedom, and able to transform the hostile pagan places into which the church was born, setting in motion a process that changed the world forever. Well, Dr. Ed Silvoso is founder and president of Harvest Evangelism and the leader of the Transform Our World Network. He's a strategist and Bible teacher who specializes in nation and marketplace transformation. His latest book is called Ecclesia, and I want to say right from the outset, Dr. Ed Silvoso is coming to Australia. He's going to be in Adelaide just over a month away, August 22nd to the 25th, and he'll be focused on community transformation. He's on the line with us today from California in the US. Dr. Ed Silvoso, a special welcome along to 2020. A real pleasure to be with you, Neil, and with the audience there in Australia, a country that is very dear to my wife Ruth and I. Very good. And I know that there'll be many listeners who'll be very familiar with some of your books and of the message that you carry. But for those who are not, Ed, take us into a little bit of your history. You've got a a history in banking, in hospital administration, in financial services, church ministry. Uh, Take us into some of those things that have shaped you for what you do today. Well, uh, we are from Argentina originally, but don't blame it on us, okay? Our parents <laughs> took us there. <laughs> and by the grace of God, my wife Ruth and I were very com- are very committed to the church. She's a teacher. I was a hospital administrator. And then with some portfolio from the doctors, we bought a bank, set up an investment company, and I was serving God on weekends and working Monday through Friday or Saturday until I realized that there was a disconnect, that God is the God of Sunday, but also Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and so forth. And that led us to really learn how to take the power and the presence of God to other sphere of influence. 
which is the home and the workplace. And Neil, we have seen not only lives transformed, we have seen school, businesses, government offices. I'll tell you, it's like the Book of Acts all over again. Okay, and when we talk about transformation, sometimes we talk about the work in our local church, what overflows into a community, and whether it's children's or youth ministry or ministry to older people, you like to think of community transformation as a very holistic thing, that Christians have a voice and a transformative message into every aspect of the community. Absolutely, because the church age began with Pentecost. Right, and Pentecost was precipitated by Matthew 28. Go and disciple all the nations. Jesus didn't say go and make disciples in the nations, although that was implied. The text says go and disciple the nations themselves. And now, if you fast forward to Revelation 21:24, there we have kings of nations bringing the honor and the glory of those nations to the city of God. And we know that those are safe nations, because the next verse tells us that the names are written in the book of life. And that's our message, Neil. God not only wants to change our lives, he wants to empower us to change our nation, so that our nations will be in that parade of Revelation twenty one twenty four. I sometimes like to reflect on the two expressions of the Great Commission. And in Mark's Great Commission, he talks about, uh, you know, sharing the gospel and, uh, you know, picking up deadly things and all sorts of uh, uh, experiential, powerful things that follow. But in Matthew's expression, he talks about discipling nations. Uh, There is a little difference there and worthy of bringing that contrast because you're clearly into the Matthew expression of this Great Commission, which is all about discipling nations. Yeah, well, in my book, Ecclesia, I emphasize that Matthew, that March 16, you see, the Great Commission is like a coin that has two sides. One side is March 16. That's the individual mandate. Go and preach to every creature, baptize them, and so forth. But Matthew 28 is the corporate dimension. Go and disciple nations. If we only lead people to the Lord, people will go to heaven, but our nations will go to hell, theologically speaking. You know, I'm an evangelist. My brother-in-law is Luis Palau. Probably you know who Luis is. My other brother-in-law is Juan Carlos Ortiz, who wrote the book Disciple. We are passionate about evangelism. But after seeing who knows how many people come to the Lord, but seeing the cities not changing, I said, something is missing. And that set me on a journey to realize that God wants to change not only individual lives, but he wants to change cities and nations. And in my book, Ecclesia, I have case study after case study, where cities, businesses, industries are being transformed because Christians are becoming the church. 
the ecclesia. And I use the Greek word so that people will not think of just a building, but they will think of the people. Because as you know, Neil, ecclesia means an assembly of people. Let's talk about that some more in just a few moments. But on a personal level, uh, listeners will have picked up this very important aspect here and uh, fascinated about what sort of conversations must go on around the dinner table when you have a family reunion, Ed, because uh, Mm -hmm. when you say your brother-in-law is Louis Palau and uh, Mm -hmm. your uh, other brother-in-law too, you've got these evangelists and you've seen... Mm -hmm that when the evangelist is telling all of those stories, and I look, in this uh, family that we're talking about, your family today, uh, tens, hundreds of thousands have come to Christ in incredible yeah. crusades, and you have thought you're sitting around the table and you're saying mm-hmm. there's something missing in all of this. There's the winning of the soul, but there's the need for the discipleship of the nation. So take us into a, a family gathering around the table when you're, you're, when you're sitting around with your brothers-in-law. What sort of things do you yes. reflect on? Well, you see, my background is in business. So a businessman looks at the bottom line. You know, we invest all this time, all this energy. We get a good return. But what is the long-term return? How can it be, Neil, that not only with evangelism, but with revival? We have revival centers in North America, in Europe, maybe in Australia too, buildings where millions of lives are being transformed as the revival goes on. And then I drive one mile or one kilometer around that building, and prostitution, drug dealing, poverty, misery, crime remain. That is telling us something. And what is that telling us? That we are taking people to heaven, but we are not implementing the Lord's Prayer, where we are commanded to pray, let your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. And that is not talking about the return of our Lord only. That's why it will be perfect. That is telling when the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord. That is a fascinating thing, Neil. Ed, take us into what you understand about this word ecclesia. And, uh, you know, when our listeners will be thinking, well, there's a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. And uh, yep, when we yep. hear about the body of Christian believers, uh, perhaps looking a little different to the uh, way that the body of those uh, children of Israel believers looked in the Old Testament, what do we understand about this word today? That's an excellent question. Actually, I spell it intentionally with double K. And I pronounce it ecclesia, which is closer to the Greek pronunciation, rather than ecclesia, because ecclesiastic has to do with religiosity, okay? And so what I bring up in my book is that the Lord didn't say, I will build my temple. He could have said that. I will restore the old glory, and kings will come here, and the nations will be saved. She didn't say, I will build my synagogue or a network of synagogues. 
she said specifically, Neil, I will build people. I will build an ecclesia. And where two or three of those gather in my name, I'm going to be in their midst. And whatever they bind or release, it will be bound and released, not in the heaven where God is, but in the heavenly place where the principalities and powers operate. And, and we miss that, Neil, because King James... I mean, after whom the, that Bible is mentioned, and it's a wonderful Bible, and I love it. He didn't like the word ecclesia that William Tyndale translated assembly because it threatened his control over the church. And as I explained in my book, he convened 47 scholars and commissioned them to produce an authorized version but he forbade them to translate the word ecclesia as assembly and commanded them to use the word church, which by then was a building with an episcopal form of government. And later on, the British Empire took that wonderful translation, except for that, all over the world, and that became the cradle for other translations. But the point, Neil, is that Jesus never said, I will build a building. I will build a network or an organization. He said to us, to everybody in your audience today, I will build you, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against you. Can you imagine, Neil, how empowering that is to Christians? When they realize that when they leave Sunday, the church building, they take the power and the presence of God with them to their sphere of influence. And that is changing the whole places, California, Neil, which is not the Bible Belt. And I can give you examples if you wish. We'll get into some of those, but just to reinforce something that you're sharing today that for some listeners will be a little bit deepening of an understanding that when we talk about the church, and that's not a wrong expression to use, but what you're saying is that there is a formality about that word church which encapsulates buildings and encapsulates governance, but this word Ecclesia, I was saying Ecclesia, and uh, I think those are interchangeable, but let's go with uh, the closer one to the Greek pronunciation, the Ecclesia. This is giving more of an expression of the body of believers, the individuals who are together and filled with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, they become a transformative body. And this idea that the church or the ecclesia is expansive rather than stagnant, not just there to just enjoy one another's company, this is an expansive thing. Let's enlarge a little on it for that uh, that sort of focus for a moment here, Ed. Well, look, we used to say, and people still do, they say, I go to church. But in reality, we are the church, I mean, of course, we have to be aligned and submitted to those appointed by God to be our overseers. So I am in no way questioning that. But when people say, I go to church, rather than I go to a gathering of the church, and when I leave that gathering, I remain being the church, 
And when I get with two or three others, and we celebrate the presence of Jesus in our midst around the dinner table, doing a coffee break at work, doing a board meeting if they are believers there. Do you see how that changes everything? Now people realize I have been given authority to be a blessing to the nation, to bring the kingdom of God where the gates of Hades are. And that is all in the book. The early church, and this is no reflection on church buildings. I'm all for it. But we don't have a record of church buildings. We don't have a record of many of the blessings we have today. And they change the world because the ecclesia, the church, is meant to be leaven, water, light, salt, substances, that when you inject them into the sphere of influence of the Christians, they begin to change everything. Well, that's a beautiful expression, and to draw attention to those wonderful biblical metaphors, uh, when you talk about leaven and salt and light, uh, those help us to understand much more deeply what we are supposed to be as the ecclesia. Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Wonderful to have you along with us on this Thursday edition of 2020. Talkback line open 1-800-316-316. You can leave a comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Vision Radio. Dr. Ed Silvoso, best-selling author and speaker, is our guest. He's the founder and president of Harvest Evangelism and the leader of the Transform Our World Network. Ed, I can't say transform our world network without asking you about some examples of transformation. And I know that listeners will hang on every word as you share some of these stories. But what are the significant examples that you can share with us of just how this transforming process works when we get this right idea about what God is doing with his church? Well, uh Neil, the church, the ecclesia, is the only institution that, generally speaking, has a branch in every neighborhood, and it could have an agent in every institution in town. We are already there, but we have to be activated. We have to realize that greater is he who is in us, to paraphrase First John 4, 4, than the one who is out there destroying the workplace, destroying the government, destroying the schools, and so forth. So one example that comes from California, which is not the Bible Belt, as you know, is a very, very secular state. A businessman came to one of our seminars, like the one we're going to have in Adelaide, and I was teaching on my book, Anointed for Business, which is a precursor to Ecclesia. And there I'm teaching that Jesus was a businessman, you know, in his secular work, so to speak. His apostles came from the marketplace. The miracles were marketplace miracles, helping Peter pay his taxes, helping fishermen find the catch, helping a caterer find... And turn water into wine and so forth. 
And so I'm preaching and teaching that Paul became most effective as a church planter when he connected with Aquila and Priscilla. Remember, in Acts chapter 18, and Paul moved from the synagogue onto the marketplace. And you may recall that there was such a harvest, unexpected harvest of people in the marketplace that God has to come in a vision by night to reassure Paul and say, I am with you here in the marketplace. Keep doing what you are doing. I mean, and you haven't even begun because I have many more people yet. Well, this businessman came to our seminar. He he has a company that he transports about one million passengers, uh, all of them school children. It's a school transportation company, one million a year. And he felt like, uh, he always felt called to serve God, but he never felt he should sell his company and go to seminary for some reason. So when he understood, I am the ecclesia, I am anointed for business, and his pastor told him that at the seminar. He went back and opened the doors of the ballroom and invited God the Father to be the chairman of the board, Jesus the CEO, and the Holy Spirit, the legal counsel. With that thing, he cannot lose, right? <laughs> and then he trained every bus driver as a pastor to the student passengers on the bus. He adopted the schools, not only in prayer, but with financial support for the things the school couldn't afford. And as a result of that meal, thousands of people came into the kingdom of God, and his company grew in revenue from $2 million to $21 million over the 11-year period. And now that company has asked the sheriff, which is the one in charge of the prisons, to remand to that company everybody released from prison to train them as professional drivers so that they would have a job and not revert to crime. And Neil, this is the sixth year that everybody in that county, not in all of California, just that county, released from prison, has graduated as a professional driver, has found a job, and no one has gone back to prison. That is what I mean by being the ecclesia. So this guy says, my company is a kingdom company for kingdom business happens every day. And that's my desire that when we go to Australia, we can encourage the pastors and the church members to get going in that direction. It's an amazing story, training every bus driver. 
as a pastor to the people on the bus and creating opportunities for prisoners released to be trained as those professional drivers, seeing community transformed. An amazing story, and there's many more of those stories. I do want to take a call and invite listeners to join in our conversation on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Robin. Hi, Robin. Welcome. Yes, hello. Um, look, I, I love where you're going with this. I'm sorry, your name is Ed, is it? Ed. Um, maybe you can okay. tell me where this scripture is, um, you know, where um, God, the Bible says that um, he's trained up apostles, teachers, evangelists, um, prophets, etc., to train the ministry, I mean, to to equip the body for ministry. So each of us, each of us has a ministry that we're meant mm-hmm. to, um, you know, if we engage with God and, and the God-given gifts that He's given us, that then we should be doing the ministry, like the, not just the pastors and not just the, the mm-hmm. clergy mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. the institution of the church. It's become too, too uh, self, um, you know, like, they're, like a little social club and they're not reaching out <laughs> because they're dependent mm-hmm. on the clergy. Robin, instance. making a great point. A response from Ed. Well, uh, there is a case study in my book, and actually the pastor of this lady that I'll tell you in a moment, his name is Brian Burton, his wife's name is Margaret. They are British missionaries in Thailand, and they are joining me when I go to Adelaide in August. He had a church, are you ready for this, of 43 members after 16 years of missionary work. Until he understood that his job was to equip the people for the people to do the work of the ministry. Among those, there was a lady who was an ice cream vendor on the streets of Phuket, Thailand. She has been a believer for 10 years, and she never led anyone to the Lord. But now she understood, I am not just a street vendor, I am the church. I am anointed for business. She dedicated her ice cream cart and her motorcycle to the Lord. She prayed over the ice cream that she was selling. She began to practice what we call prayer evangelism. We take that from Luke chapter 10, where Jesus told them, bless them, fellowship with them, minister to them, and then in order them preach. And she began to do that, and for your encouragement, sister, in one year alone, this lady led 700 customers to the Lord that got baptized and joined the church, because the pastor realized, I am the coach, but they are the strikers, and I need to equip them and celebrate when they score a goal. Ed, I need to cut in because we're about to go to news. I want to thank Robin. We'll continue our conversation after Vision National News. There is an app that you can really access some tremendous resources from. It's called Transform Our World. Remember that. That's also the name of the website. Ed's latest book is called Ecclesia. That's spelt with E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. And Ed, just before we move on, 
you were sharing a story just before the news and we cut you off a little earlier because the news doesn't wait for us but you were sharing about the lady about mission and about the fact that they'd worked for very long years 16 years i think you mentioned and uh, had a church of 43 people but then caught a new idea and the growth became dynamic from that point. Uh, finish that story for us before we move on. Well, can you imagine the joy for the faithful missionary couple that sacrificially for 16 years they plowed fields that were so hard and then eventually God in his great mercy introduced them to these insights and now just through one of its members I mean, 700 people get saved and baptized. And in the last seven years, this lady alone has led close to 5,000 people to the Lord. And, and, and people say, why? And I say, why not? In Luke sixteen sixteen, we are told that when we preach the gospel of the kingdom, Everyone was forcing their way into it. So can you imagine this uh, businessman in Vallejo, a very well-off person, all of a sudden he's able to impact his city and every school in the city and now the prisons. But now we go to a street vendor and God uses her to lead thousands to the Lord. It's almost like the Book of Acts, isn't it, dear? <laughs> That's right, and a powerful story the Book of Acts is. Oftentimes you'll hear in church that the Book of Acts has not finished yet. Uh, there are some who would like to think that the power of God in the growth of his body, the church, somehow or other uh, dried up at the end of the first century when the apostles died out. But, of course, the book of Acts and the stories of God's great dealings with humanity have continued ever since that time, and you're aware of just the dynamic of how that dealing with humanity has continued to grow. I want to get to some really practical insights from you, Ed, about the sort of first steps that I should take today, because I know you're not talking to the church leaders today, although I know that people who are leading churches are going to be listening very intently. Uh, those who have yeah. some leadership role within their church are going to be listening intently. But what about that person yeah. who's saying, I've got gifts that are never used in church life. Yeah. I'm busy running my business. In fact, I'm so busy running my business, I don't have a lot of time uh, to do all of the church activities. Speak into yeah. that person's life. What sort well, of steps people, should I take? Yeah, people that feel that way is because they are dichotomizing church with everyday life, okay? In the Bible, it says that every day they gather and they broke bread and fellowship and pray and discuss the doctrine of the apostles. So I would say the first step is to realize, first of all, we need to let the scriptures illuminate us. Okay, the Lord Jesus told us, go and preach the gospel to every creature, and he also told us, go and disciple every nation. Now we fast forward, like we said in the previous segment, to Revelation twenty-one twenty-four, and we see that the game ends with nations saved. So then, step number one, 
realize that Revelation 12:11 is for today. And they overcame him, the devil, and his evil forces by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and because they despise their lives even unto death. So the blood is already shed. The fight is waiting. What is missing, Neil, is an accurate testimony that we believe that greater is he who is in us than the one who is destroying everything around us. That's the first step. The second one is to take what the Lord says, I'm at the door and I knock. In fact, I think I heard you say that in the previous segment. If we open the door, the Lord will come into the building where we are. And he will change everything. And then let's just follow the leading of the Spirit, illuminated by the Scriptures. So when we talk about the illuminating of the Scriptures, oftentimes we connect that with what happens in church on Sunday, with the sorts of words that the pastor might preach in a Sunday sermon. Let's talk about this idea of proclamation, because you're saying that this message that we carry, uh, this word of our testimony, this thing that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, is something that ordinary people are a part of, this proclamation. Have we misunderstood what proclamation is all about when it comes to how the kingdom of God grows, how our communities are transformed? Well, we have a case study in Luke chapter 9, versus Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus felt the way many pastors feel today. He was overwhelmed. Remember, he told his apostles, Oh, perverted and unbelieving generation, how much longer must I be with you? And then he twisted the knife, so to speak, and put up with you. Look at the level of frustration of Jesus. Why? Because one demon, just one demon, beat his apostles and refused to come out. And then a few verses later, he told the disciples, you don't know what spirit you are of, because I didn't come to destroy the world, I came to save it. But now when we cross to Luke chapter 10, that's the only chapter in the Bible where Jesus rejoiced. And he rejoiced because 70 or 72, I believe the discrepancy is intentional. No names, not an exact number. 70 or 72 people went out as lambs among wolves. And what did they do? First, they spoke peace. They blessed the wolf. Second, they fellowship with them ate and drank with them. Thirdly, they ministered to them. If they were sick, they healed them. And then and only then, Neil, they proclaimed the kingdom of God has come. So my advice to the audience is, bone up on prayer evangelism. Begin to bless rather than blast the wolves that are making your life so hard. Fellowship with them. Because once you bless them, a blessing breaks a curse. A blessing positions you in a place of strength. Show them that you really care for who they are. 
listen to their cry, help them with their problems. And at that moment, it's very easy, Neil, to lead them to Christ because we have blessed them, we have fellowship with them, we have ministered to them. The kingdom of God is manifested. I know. Let me give you a practical example. Yes, a practical example. A pastor is listening to us, and he has 100 people in the church building on Sunday. And he's very, very faithful in caring for them. But if you were to impart to them, you are the church when you leave this building. And adopt five houses to the right, five to the left, ten across the street. That's usually 100 people that you adopt in prayer. And now every morning, just take a moment to bless your neighbors to the right, the left and across the street. What I have seen, Neil, and this happened to Ruth and I when we began to do it, and I see it happening all the time. When you begin to bless people that you didn't care about before, those people feel attracted to you mysteriously, and that gives you an opportunity to be a better neighbor. So 100 people doing that, that's 10,000 people near that get blessed every day and that eventually they get to fellowship with the Christian without a Bible in between. Food. And 100,000, 10,000 people near with a congregation of 100. And when that concept catches a hold of an individual, and then, then, as you say, indeed, a whole church of a hundred people. Uh, then you have a mass uh, way of influencing uh, an entire community. And as you say, Ed, it starts with prayer evangelism, the idea of yeah. taking some time to pray. And I know that when you say the house across the street... Uh, the houses to the left, the houses to the right. Uh, for a lot of people, too, uh, it may actually include their workplace because this is, uh, well, we're, when we're thinking of the house across the street, we might be thinking of the time outside of work and we say we haven't got time yeah. for that. Uh, take us into the workplace and how that might work in the workplace. Could be the desk or the cubicle to the right or to the left. But let me make a clarification, Neil. Could we say pray? Actually, Luke goes beyond what we call prayer because he says, speak peace, impart something to them without telling them that you're imparting them. So is that just telling God, Lord, bless my neighbors to the right and to the left, but is us blessing them? Is us saying, Lord, this neighbor next door who is so grumpy and angry all the time, I speak life into him. I bless him, Lord. I pray that you open doors for me to be able to share with him. You see, there is a difference between praying in general and blessing, speaking peace. Because Jesus was very clear. If there is not a recipient, the peace will return to you. So if you can tell when it bounces, they can surely tell when you send them in. 
And Ruth and I have seen that in our neighborhood, Neil. Our neighbors tell us, Ed, can you go by? Actually, our disguise is our dog. We pretend to be walking our dog, but that's our cover. <laughs> we quietly yep. walk the dog, and we are blessing our neighbors. They, they began to tell us things. I feel a vibration. What is it? You change the karma. Or a neighbor came and said, I don't know why I'm coming to your house, but I'm desperate. Can you help me? Because it's the word of God, Neil. It's the peace that breaks the hopelessness in people. So it's more than just an open-ended prayer. It's an impartation of peace to people that live in despair. Ed, what I can hear you say is that when we talk about this idea of prayer evangelism, of imparting something to people, being a blessing to them that breaks the curse, this is actually not sounding very hard. It's not sounding like this is a burden to you. In fact, when you're out walking your dog with Ruth, and uh, you might be doing that with a, a different motive than what people are anticipating. But this sounds like your intentional time of even relaxation uh, that creates some yeah. time to be a blessing to your neighbours. And something that's not hard, but something that we ought to think of as a time which is a restful time because it's a time of blessing, yeah. not of, of hard work. Yeah. That's a very good point because in Matthew 28... The translation is go and make disciples, but the Greek doesn't say go, as you know. It says as you go, going in your everyday life. And Neil, I am no saint except saved by grace. I need to tell you almost a hilarious incident. When I was writing my book, Prayer Evangelism, I decided to practice it. So I said, I'm going to pray and walk my neighborhood. But actually, instead of prayer walking it, I was prayer cursing my neighborhood without knowing. I was telling God, that lady across the street is morally loose. This is the third man that she has living in. Lord, do something. And that teenager to the right is on drugs and probably he's dealing. I want an angel here with a flaming sword so he will never talk to my daughters. And the neighbors next door are sour pickles, Lord. They fight, they get drunk, move them. And the Lord interrupted me and says, Ed, I want you to know I am so pleased you haven't witnessed to anybody yet. And I said, why? Because I don't want them to know that you and I are related. I love them. You don't. You resent them. And I tried to argue with God. Never tried that, okay? I said, but Lord, I'm telling you the truth. That lady's morally loose. That guy is a drug addict. These two guys next door are terrible. And the Lord told me, Ed, when you speak the truth with anger, it's like giving good kisses with bad breath. No one comes back for seconds. And right there on the sidewalk of our neighborhood, Neil, I had to repent, and God began to change my heart and to love the unlovable. And that is the key. And, Ed, 
that's a cooperation with God. Sometimes we feel even as though we're like employees with a rod across our back in serving God. This is a cooperation with the love of God and doing this. And I imagine that when we talk about doing these things in the power that the Holy Spirit gives to enable, this is what you're saying is what the cooperation feels like, what it looks like. And we should also factor in miracles, marketplace miracles, Look at the miracles of Jesus helping a caterer with wine that he ran out, helping Peter pay his taxes, helping the disciples find fish, and so forth. You see, we have case after case in my book, Ecclesia, and in the other books, where people went to work, where nobody was a believer, maybe. They were the only believers but they love that place because God uses the workplace to provide for people. And they have prayed for, prayed for financial miracles. They have prayed for human resources miracles. And those who speak to those in authority. And sooner or later, Neil, they begin to ask about this strange God of yours who cares about my business. Well, I think there are going to be some listening to our conversation today, Ed, who will be a little bit jealous of all of those people in Adelaide who are going to be sitting under these insights when you visit Adelaide next month. Uh, Talking to you on the phone today from California, but you're coming to Australia. You're going to be in Adelaide August 22nd through the 25th and a focus on community transformation. Some of these things you'll reinforce and you'll go deeper and there'll be lots and lots of stories to tell. Transform Our World Adelaide is partnering with the 2019 South Australia Prayer Breakfast. It's organised by Christian Business and Marketplace Connections. There's also a two-day seminar being run on August 23rd and 24th at the Clovercrest Baptist Church and a combined church's worship service to climax Dr. Silvoso's visit being held at the Adelaide Chin Christian Church on August 25th. That'll happen at 6pm. Let me say that uh, you simply can Google Ed Silvoso, Adelaide, uh, August 22nd to the 25th. You'll get the details about how you can be a part of those events. Ed's mentioned a number of books. The book Ecclesia or Ecclesia. Uh, There's also a book called Prayer Evangelism. Another one of his popular books called Anointed for Business. Lots of books available if you were simply Googling Dr. Ed Silvoso. And to mention those websites and the app, because so many people rely on an app on their phone, free app and everything on the app is free, Transform Our World is the name of the app. There's videos, there's book excerpts, and the website has the same name, Transform Our World. Uh, Dr. Ed Silvoso, just wonderful to get your insights today. I know you'll be looking forward to coming to Adelaide. And I know that uh, there could be other opportunities into the future. And I uh, just want to say appreciate you very much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Well, may the Lord bless you. It's a real pleasure, Neil. 
to be on your program. I mentioned that my wife is Luis Palau's youngest sister. Well, her grandfather was born in Melbourne, Australia. Well, even though his great grandfather came from Scotland, so there is a connection there to Australia. And we are praying for the Lord to bless that beautiful nation. A wonderful connection. Ed Silvoso, I look forward to another opportunity on another another day. Uh, God's richest blessing on you as you prepare to come to Australia. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand. Or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.